0: I love this season. I, I know it's busy, but I absolutely love it. And I, I said to Bonnie the other day, let's breathe it in because, boom, it's going to be over. So let's breathe it in and take advantage of every relationship, every moment that we can. But uh, it is great to see you. How are you doing? Anybody have to buy a new pair of pants to fit in after... Thanks, <laughs> how many of you still have leftovers in your refrigerator? Okay, throw them away, okay? Do, eat them or chuck them because uh, you got to move on. So I heard the other day someone said uh, an optimist is someone who starts a diet on Thanksgiving day. I call them a fool, right? But we have had so much fun in this series called Follow, and we are following Jesus. That's our heart, that's our goal, right? And we're using this man named Peter, and Peter was a disciple who was a fisherman, and he just constantly stated things, he put his foot in his mouth, he, he ran when he should have walked, he walked when he should have ran, he, he's always in the middle of all the action, and I just, I love the guy. So anything we say today is not critical of him, it's because we love him. He, I, I see so many people in the life of Peter, and he's affected so many people. Today, we're, we're talking about the God we follow in light of Peter's life. Now, a couple things. When I say transfiguration, how many of you have an idea of what that is in the Bible? Transfiguration. Okay, about half of you. Transfiguration is its its own story. It's an incredible story. It happened one time, and And let me just tell you basically what happened because we're going to read it, but I I want you to be expecting kind of the heart of it. The transfiguration of Jesus is basically where God wanted to reveal through his spirit that Jesus was in fact the son of God while he was still in his fleshly body on the earth. And so here's what happened. Here's the short story. Jesus says to Peter and the brothers, James and John, he says, I want you guys to come with me and we're gonna take a little walk up the mountain. And they do. They literally take a walk up the mountain and Peter, James, and John start to notice something. They start to notice that Jesus starts to glow. No, I'm not kidding. He starts to glow. Like his skin starts to go bright. Matter of fact, the Bible says his skin look like it was as bright as the sun. Now that's bright. And it says that his clothing started to shimmer and go bright to the point that they couldn't even hardly look at it. So they know something is up. And I can see Peter saying to James and John as the leader, you know, he's probably going, what's up with this? You know, look at him. And then they look up and here's Moses And Elijah, who are dead. And they begin to visit with Jesus. Somehow we have this distance. I think Peter, James, and John kind of stepped back. And they look up, and here's Moses, here's Elijah. And they're starting to have a chat. Now, how many of you, that would get your attention pretty quick? You got clothing that's shining, a face like a sun, and two dead guys talking to Jesus. I mean, this is a moment. I remember years ago, this... uh, kind of crazy show that I, I didn't watch all of it because I just couldn't keep up with it. It was called Lost. Do you guys remember that? And they would come around the corner and all of a sudden look in the ground and there's this big light shining out of it or this big smoke coming across it and no one knew. And they never explained it. But there was always this shock. That's the transfiguration. Jesus is up to something bigger than they could even humanly understand stand. So let's open a Bible if you want to and let's talk about these. I put five things or six things I think in your program to write down to follow along. Just thoughts that we can apply to our life. Number one, there is value in solitude. There's value in solitude. It's it's fascinating in many ways that Jesus takes Peter, James, and John to go alone with them. Let me just read it. Matthew 17. If you have a Bible, you can lay it open. Follow along. We'll go verse by verse through several verses. Verse 1. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up a high mountain to be alone. Now, obviously, they're not alone, alone, individually. They're alone as how many of them? It's not a hard question. Four. Four. There are four. So Jesus, Peter, James, and John go up. See, Jesus always enjoyed solitude. And some people like solitude, some people don't. Some people like being alone, some people don't. How many of you are good alone? Just be honest, okay? How many of you just need people more? It's just a little harder for you to be alone. I wonder why that is. You know, I wonder why God made us different, obviously. But sometimes when we're alone, there's reflection time. And, and that can be a little daunting if the reflection isn't great, <laughs> right? If you're not real happy with yourself, that's not always good. It can be evaluation time. And if your brain goes to evaluate you, your business, your friends, your relationship, if that's good news, you're really happy. If it's not such good news, if you're having family problems, then that solitude can push you deeper into isolation. And it doesn't always feel good. But God can use solitude. Jesus always loved it. He takes these three people with him. So he's not just looking himself for solitude. There were times in the New Testament the disciples couldn't even find him. I mean, one of my favorite stories is when literally they go through this village and he heals people. People are lining up. People are coming from miles uh, expecting him to be there the next day. The Bible says he goes up into the mountain overnight and the disciples are mad at him in the morning because they can't find him. And they're all having a fit. Like, where did Jesus go? Do you know where he is? No, I haven't seen him. He's in the mountain. Well, the people are waiting for him. And they were. Everyone was lined up in the city. I mean, and the disciples finally find him, and they rebuke him. (laughs) And they say, where have you been? We got a book signing going on over here. You got a lot of people that want to be your fans. They're following you on Twitter and everything else. Come on, let's go. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that he said to them, oh, okay, thanks. Let's go on to the next town. never, ever, ever exchange the plan and will of God for the love of the people. He had a mission and he was doing the mission and he knew that God had a plan for his life. So he takes three people with him up to this mountain. I wonder how you do with small groups. Like, let me just start with Bonnie, my wife. She is the love of my life. I mean that with all my heart, love her. And and here's the thing I like best, is I also really like her. I've met couples that if you say, are you in love? They go, yeah, yeah, I I love her. Yeah, I love him. But they don't really like him. They don't really want to be with him. And I really love being with my wife. We don't have to say anything or we can say lots of things. But I I like when my kids are around. I really like really. I'm good if it's just us. If it's just us, I'm good with that. And then if you get grandkids in the mix, it's even better. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. As long as they go home later, you're good. But no, I'm kidding about that too. So anyway, I just want you to understand Jesus has something in mind. He says, you guys, he doesn't invite all the disciples. He says, you guys come with me. And they take a hike and all this starts to happen. Number two, the spirit realm is closer than we think. There is a spirit realm in this room right now we just can't see it with our eyes and it's everywhere on the earth and I'm not going to make it spooky but there is a battle raging for you there is such a thing as good and evil how many of you believe that and without over magnifying it this is the plan of God this is the day and age we live in look at verse 2 as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as, as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. I mean, this is just a phenomenal story. No wonder they're stepping back and taking a look. Let me answer a question that's kind of a theological issue. Why Moses, why Elijah? Why these two guys? Well, think about it. If you've been around uh, Christianity very long, who is Moses? The law. Now, he is the essence of the law. These guys, these disciples, they were raised Jewish. They knew the law. They, they, They could quote it. And so their whole life, Moses is way up here and boom, here's Moses. And here's why Moses is there. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the law. It's a beautiful picture. Who's Elijah? He's a prophet. He's the dude. He's the big prophet. I mean, lots of stuff happened with Elijah. He's there because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the prophecies. So here's this picture of the law and the prophets and the prophecies and the fulfillment, the guy who's going to fulfill all of these in just a few days when he's put on the cross and resurrected from the dead. Wow. It's a big moment. I would love to know what they were talking about. I would love to eavesdrop with that conversation of two dead guys and Jesus. I just think it would be great. I look at the spirit realm in our world. When Jesus said, pray like this, our Father who art in the heavens, that, that first understanding of heaven is the space around us here right now. Heavens, not somewhere out there, but here now. And he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Where? Earth. On earth as it is in heaven. So never underestimate what's going on. Uh, oh, it's just a coincidence. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff goes on that, that you, you don't want to blame the devil. You might not want to blame God. But there's stuff that happens that is in the spirit realm. There's no idea that, uh, of what makes these things happen. I love the story. Elisha was the guy who followed Elijah. And in 2 Kings, there's this little story where the servant of Elisha was scared to death. Because the enemy was coming to their house and they were going to kill him. And there were hundreds, possibly thousands of soldiers that were going to take him out. And Elisha stands up and says, oh, it's all good, we're fine. (laughs) We've got machine guns back here. No, he didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, um, there's more on our side than, than they have as far as soldiers are concerned. And the servant's freaking out going, uh, hello, are you okay? Look out there. Look at all those soldiers. And, and so here's what Elisha prayed. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. He says to his servant, don't be afraid, for there are more on our side than on theirs. Then Elisha prayed, O Lord, I love this prayer, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. This is the spirit realm, the army of heaven on one side saying, we're here. You may not be able to see us with that flesh eye, but we are are here and we will defend you. You know, I I just want you to know you're never alone. It doesn't matter what you're going through today or what you're facing, you're not alone. But sometimes my eyes are not opened. Sometimes I have blind spots. I've had them recently. I just got so busy doing church, doing good stuff. Guys, this is a tough time of year. Church's counseling load goes through the roof, financial needs go through the roof it's stressful and people's families are in conflict and marriages are falling apart and kids are estranged from their parents and and all of a sudden they're trying to get together and they don't want to get together and it goes on and on and I'm telling you if you're in any of those scenarios I'm sorry it's hurtful it's hard and I can become so consumed with all the stuff we have going that I just, I'm blind to the fact that there really is a spirit world that I live in and I'm just trying to punch the clock and get everything and push all the buttons I need to push. Uh, The Christmas rush. Man, just drive around, go shopping. I have a tip for you, online. Get a cup of coffee, sit down with your computer and just have a great day shopping. Family conflicts, (laughs) sorry retailers, Go to the stores. Go to every store in Fort Collins. There's some great ones out there. Family conflicts, stress at work, financial pressure, it's real. And they cause blind spots, and I can't see. And I think that's why Jesus opened this up for Peter, James, and John. Why Peter, James, and John? You ever think of that? There's several reasons, but I'm going to say one. I think one is that he knew Peter was a talker. And he knew that James and John had great influence in in the region and that they would all be writers. And they did, they all wrote. And and Jesus wanted this story to be told by somebody who was credible and wouldn't just make it up because this is the only time this is gonna happen. Number three, okay, should we always do something? Should we always be in an action mode? Should we always be going, all right, now I know what to do. I'm gonna jump in there and I'm gonna make it happen because was Peter like that? Yes, he, he was so like that. He's going to make it happen. Now, this story gets a little funny, and as I see it in Scripture, so just be ready. In verse 4, it says, Peter exclaimed. Now, that word exclaimed means it, it busted out of him. No one said, Peter, what are you thinking? It just, he just exploded with this idea because he's seeing all this in front of him. Peter explodes and says, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Come on, boys. Get the shovels. Let's go. Let's get to work. (laughs) I love that about Peter. And, And he's ready to do something. So why build a memorial? Again... Peter, Jewish, understood, grew up knowing that the nation of Israel, what did they do when good things happened? They built memorials. They literally would put stones in the ground to celebrate. Remember the day we crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. Look at this memorial. Remember the day the food came from God and He provided. Let's build a memorial. Remember when God provided the lamp, let's build a memorial. So there's this all this memorial stuff, so it's no wonder. As a matter of fact, scholars say, he's not saying, Lord, it's wonderful that we are here to see this. He's saying it's wonderful we are here because we have the muscle to build a memorial for this. And we need to be talking about it because everyone needs to know that this really happened. He's a natural reactor. Building memorials is not a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I'm proud of Peter for thinking of it because it was such a big deal to him. What are some of the memorials we build in our lives? How do you choose to remember things? How many of you have a phone with pictures on it? Okay, I'm going to really take a chance here. How many of you have a phone with thousands of pictures on it? Okay, okay. Why? Well, because I wanted to remember that. It was such a cute moment. It's a hamburger. I know, but look at the burger. Look at how the lettuce comes off the side. <laughs> look at that tomato. I mean, that tomato's fresh. It's presentation. And pictures of everything. Picture. Oh, let me show you a picture. Can I take a nap first? Oh, here it is. Oh, no, that was the other year. Why? Because we are making memorials we choose to remember and videos. I mean, parents, these, you young parents, I'm telling you, you have, you have videos of your kids. When I was young, I mean, I was lucky to get up, you know, for 10 seconds. You know, a few pictures of me here and there. And, uh, but, oh, man, these parents, these days you've got, man, here's the journal of pictures. This is the first month of my kid's life right here. Wow. Wow. How about cooking? Be honest with me. How many of you have some family secret recipe? Come on, raise your hand. Look at that. Look at that. Aren't you special? (laughs) You have a recipe that's your family's, and it's so special when you make it. And no, can I have the recipe? No. It's our family's. We got it on Google. And it's ours. <laughs> Trips. How many people say, let's celebrate our, our anniversary and go to wherever? I mean, that's just a, that's just a, a part of, I heard of a, a, a family recently, they ha- were having their 50th year anniversary and they invited, paying for the whole thing, all their kids and grandkids on a 10-day cruise. I wanted it to be adopted right there. <laughs> but why would they do that? I'll tell you why. Memorial. It's, it's a milestone. 50 years, that's worth celebrating. And, and, and if you can do that, you should do that. Because my point is all, it's all this. Peter was trying to do that. Because he knew this was that big. And I'm glad he did because 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. Number four, we must learn to listen. Now, (laughs) sorry, I'm laughing, but the story goes to the second phase of funny. Because I haven't seen God do this too many places in Scripture. So in verse 5, I just want you to notice the first line. Okay, just the first line. But even as he spoke, okay, who's speaking? Peter is speaking. Let's build these memorials and let's get this. And Even as he spoke, does that hint to you of an interruption? So (laughs) Peter is still talking and a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son, I love this next line, who brings me great joy. Now there's a dad's heart. That's a parent's soul speaking out. This is my boy. He brings me great joy. (laughs) And then he says, listen to him. (laughs) Do you think he's saying, Peter, shut up. Stop talking already. (laughs) I just love it. It's so fun. the disciples were terrified. They fell face down on the ground. Peter is literally interrupted by God. And, And God is making this huge statement that this is my son. He brings me great joy. It's not about look at all the stuff he's done, look at his accomplishments, look at all this. It's just he's my son. And he brings me great joy. Listen to him. Listen to him. Because he knows he has the words of life. How can I, how can I know when I just need to stop talking? It's not when Bonnie tells me to. It's not because she doesn't. It's, it's not when someone else. It's how do I know in my relationship with God when I can just listen, wait, be still. And I know the voice of God is really there. This is tricky because it's, it's not easy. The voice of God just, it freaked them out, to be honest with you. Peter, James, and John, wh- what did they do? They, they bolted. I see them, it's like a war movie where they're just diving to the ground. And shrapnel is going everywhere in, in their minds. I don't know if this was the biggest booming voice with lightning and thunder. I don't know. It just says that the voice of God came out of the sky and they were terrified. Huge word. Hit the ground, probably heads down, hands over the top of their head, not knowing what in the world is about. Is this the end of the world? I mean, I think they had thoughts like that. Is is this is the earth gonna open up and swallow all of us? They were scared. But then Jesus did something that's my favorite part of this whole story. And I love the story. And it's number five, the power of touch. Don't miss this. They're freaked out. They're scared. They don't know what to do. Verse seven. Then Jesus came over and touched them. He didn't just command them. He didn't try to explain anything. He just went over to where they were and he put his hands on them. Hey. He he says, get up, and then he says what? Don't be afraid. This isn't what I want for you. I, I love that point because they looked up and Moses and Elijah were gone and Now they're looking only at Jesus. And they're alone with Him again. And they realize that it's all okay, all because of a touch. You know, when I get burnt out, I need that touch. Are you afraid? You probably need His touch more than Him saying, Don't be afraid. I grew up in a family, and I I hope you did too, because it's a wonderful thing. And I watch it with my kids now, with their kids, and someone, you know, hurts their finger, and boy, they run to mom or dad. Kiss it, kiss it, kiss it. (sighs) Is it all better now? Yeah. (laughs) Why? There's power in care, there's power in compassion that creates a human touch, and the need for that touch is real, and it was real in them. Are you stressed? Are you homesick? Are you alone? Are you desperate? I'm praying today that you will feel the touch of a mighty God in your soul. Lastly, number six, tell your story. Tell your story. Now, I don't know how many of you have been on this earth 35 years or more. But if you are over 35 years of age, I want you to go back to your earliest memories as a child, right quick. Because here's why. What we're about to read next is a jump of 35 to 40 years from, from the Matthew passage when Peter's a young 20-something. And he's he's seeing all this and wanting to build the memorial. Now he's an old guy. And he's about to die. He, and I, I know old then was different than now. He's probably in his late 60s, which is pretty young these days. So don't lose hope. But we're going to go to Second Peter. And we're going to read a passage that means a lot. Because Peter's talking again. And it says in verse 16 of 2 Peter 1, this is Peter. And listen, he's talking now to a younger generation. Have you guys ever done that? Are you old enough that you can now look at the young people and you have a message for them? This is that. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes. When he received honor and glory from God the Father, listen to this, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. He never forgot those words from 35 or 40 years ago of the big booming voice that came out of the sky. And then he says, we ourselves heard that voice from heaven, and we were with him on that holy mountain. Peter is looking at a young generation who is already doubting the existence of God. Some things never change. And he's looking in their eye, and he's saying, I was there This is not a cutesy story. This is not a clever post. I was there. I heard the voice of God come out of the sky. Do you believe in me? Do you trust me all these years? Let me tell you something. This is what the voice said, and it's real. And this man who walked on the earth named Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God. You guys, 2,000 years later, that still rings true to my heart, and I am so thankful that we have a testimony and a witness that's why I'm saying to you tell your story and here's why your story is not done yet and you have a powerful story how has God redeemed you, how has God transformed your mind, how has God changed you, what is the moment in your life where you said I'm going to follow this voice, I'm going to trust God I'm going to believe him, I'm not going to lose hope when other people are losing hope, what is that in you it's the voice of God and it's powerful and it's real I love that little section in the, new, in the book of Acts when the blind man is healed and all the teachers of the law pull Peter aside and they're all arguing about how could this happen this man's been here for years He can't. and they pull him in and they say what's happened to you, who did this what was said, and he said look hold it stop <laughs> here's his answer All I know is I was blind, say it with me, and now I see. Something happened to me. You guys, that's the power of our story. Something happens that we can't explain. I was blind, but now I see. Consider this, your story is not finished yet. God has a plan and a purpose for the days ahead, however many breaths you have left.